I'm going to get right into it or else I won't finish it, but I'm going to go to the book of Luke, and, and they're going to put the scripture on the screen, and then you can go to your Bibles. But I want to tell you, in the book of Luke, I want you to pay close attention to these two verses. Chapter 531, it says, Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. He then said that I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Today, I want to talk to you about a room in the kingdom of God. I know we were talking about care, but I want to talk about this room in the kingdom of God, the church as the emergency room. Somebody just say the emergency room. Come on, take your seats and just clap your hands for Jesus right now. Somebody just shout amen. Amen. I want to tell you what's going on here because earlier in the chapter, Jesus is leaving town and he sees this tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. He says to Levi, he said, follow me and be my disciple. So Levi, he got up and he left everything that he had and he chose to follow God. Now, Levi was obviously excited about this opportunity because he threw a party. The Bible says that he he threw a banquet in celebration of it, and a lot of his tax collector friends and some guests that he invited, they all attended. The story tells us that the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law, they always complained about Jesus, but even on this occasion, they complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples, asking this question of, why do you eat and drink with such scum? So I want you to understand, out of these two verses, Jesus is responding to the questioning and the concerns of his affiliation with sinners. He's clearly explaining to the Pharisees in the text that it's not those who are healthy who need a physician, but only those who are sick. He said, I did not come to call the self-proclaimed, the righteous who see no need to repent, but sinners to repentance. In other words, the sinners to repentance, he's talking about sick people. He said, I I have to change their old way of thinking, and I have to turn them from sin so they they will seek my Father, that will seek God and his righteousness. See, in the conversation of mentioning the sick, Jesus was referring to spiritual sickness. Somebody say sin. Sin. I'm sorry. I'm excited about the word today. (laughs) I don't have a (laughs) warm-up. And understanding who God is, We know he himself is the master and the great physician, as the Bible calls him. This got me to thinking about the biblical purpose of the church. Throughout centuries, the church has continued to evolve in its landscaping. Whether it's mega church, strip center church, or whether it's a house church or even online church, the fact remains the same, regardless of the difference of the physical or characteristics of the location, the church remains God's idea and his plan. Going somewhere with this. Now, there is a metaphor of the church being a hospital, a a, a place for people who are sick, for those who are in need of healing and to be made whole. 
You may get it. The church is to be a place where those who are lost can be found and where the broken can be restored. It should be a place where those who are physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually wounded can come and experience the works, right, of the great physician. Somebody say great physician. It is a place where we should be able to check in, and when we leave or otherwise be discharged, we should leave better than, we, than how we came with a recovery plan in place. Come on. Because I've never seen anyone following surgery be immediately released without their vital signs or their related symptoms being checked. Thus, I believe through pandemics and losses, the church is not just a hospital, but I believe the church is God's emergency room. It's where Christians have their fellowship, yes, but it's also the place where restoration takes place. See, I believe, and you may agree, that the whole world is in a state of emergency, but the house of the Lord is the emergency room. Now, I want to explain the emergency because it's a serious, unexpected, and often dangerous situation requiring immediate attention. Yet, an emergency situation, uh, uh, that condition that, that has become so acute that it calls for immediate attention. See, when you are visiting an emergency room, you will find a series of tragic injuries. Uh, you will find tragic injuries that have been self-inflicted or otherwise has occurred by accident. Some injuries are found to be so severe that the patient could be damaged for life or even die. I don't want you to get confused because I'm talking about the church right now. See, the emergency room is a response area, and, and in this response area, there is a team, and they're with emergency medicine to address and respond to life or death situations. Get it? <laughs> Understand that if you have a life-threatening condition, your first thought is not to go to the hospital, but it's actually to find out where the nearest emergency room is. Now, when you show up to the emergency room, Although you are in pain, you are expecting discovery and also an overcoming of that pain or injury that you've encountered. See, I'm so glad that the emergency room is not like the doctor's clinic. See, the clinic closes based on certain operational hours, but the emergency room is always open. What would it be like if you showed up to the emergency room only to find an administrator, but no doctor or nurse or surgeon to be found? What God really wants me to speak, wants to speak through me today is that the huge concern is not whether the church or the emergency room doors are open, but more so, where are all the paramedics, the phlebotomists, the doctors and nurses and surgeons and specialists? See, God gave us a great commission to go and make disciples of all nations, but are we committed to going or just coming? I'm going to let that sink in. The great commission was about going, but are we more excited about coming than going? See, a lot of us have chased victory in Christ and are in the process of being discipled, but we can't stay there. It comes to a point where movement is greatly necessary. 
but it takes a team. If everyone is still being discipled at the same level, the question is, who's left to become disciple makers? Or who are the disciple makers? I'm asking the question again. So where are all the paramedics, the phlebotomists, the doctors, nurses, surgeons, and specialists? I'm preaching better than you saying amen. (laughs) See, the emergency room, in the emergency room, the church... We have patients who show up who need a checkup. Those whom are dealing with acute pain, that's pain that comes on suddenly, that's caused by something specific, or patients who have pain because of a certain circumstance. Now, I want, to, I want you to think about the pain that we come encountered with in our lives, and I want you to think about all the pain that could be sitting right here in this room right now. See, they could have a real-life emergency due to traumatic injury to their mind and soul, often produced or induced by self, someone else, or even circumstance. See, the church is God's emergency room where those who are ill, who are injured, or lost should be able to go for help. Now, God is the great physician, which is, it is one of his most powerful attributes, And where are the paramedics, the phlebotomists, the doctors, the nurses, surgeons, and specialists? It says the church is God's hands and feet. But I pray you receive this because we must embrace the truth that the church is not an extended stay. It's not a resort to support our hammock experience. It is not a museum for the elite believers, but it's a place for brokenness, where brokenness becomes mended, where pain is relieved, where the pieces of your life can be put back together and made whole. It's a straightforward word today. It's where the sick become healed, but like a broken record, If the doctor, if God is the great physician, the question is, where are all the paramedics, phlebotomists, doctors, nurses, surgeons, and specialists? See, one of the most amazing aspects of the emergency room is the huge range of conditions it encounters on a daily basis. There is no other specialty in medicine that sees this variety of conditions in a typical week. See, we must be prepared, as Paul writes in 2 Timothy 4 and 2, to preach the word, be ready to do it whether it is convenient or inconvenient, correct, confront, and encourage with patience and instructions. Anybody hear what I'm saying? (laughs) See, the emergency room department's number one purpose is to be ready to deal with emerging life-threatening situations. See, this this is vital whether the time is favorable or not. As disciples and disciple makers, we cannot get caught up in the moments of distraction or even ourselves, nor become siloed in the department we serve in the church. Because in an emergency room, you have to understand that there is no time for that. Because if there are those types of things going on, then obviously what happens, someone could lose their life. Can you imagine the doctor and the nurses arguing in the emergency room while you're bleeding out? Can you imagine disagreements over certain thoughts and things or fighting over what the scripture really means while somebody else is over here bleeding out? Somebody's got to get what I'm saying. 
Can you imagine? There is no time for it because there are lives at hand. And if God gave us a great commission to go and make disciples of all nations, of all people, then we have no time for the excuses. We have not, no time for the distractions because lives are at stake. So if we're going to be the emergency room of God, we must understand, and I want to give you these things quickly. I'm going to get out of the way because I'm just being obedient to what God is saying. He told me, he said, you know what? This whole idea of emergency room, in the emergency room, everything must begin with truth. And I believe that these points, because it really stirred me up, and I just thank my wife because I had to stay in the laboratory, in the prayer closet with God like all day yesterday. <laughs> I'm talking about till probably 12, 31 o'clock at night because what he was showing me in this, I, I began to think more and more of the church about God's emergency room here on earth and the people that are truly needing healing and breakthrough in things that they have been dealing with for such a long time. But everything has to begin with truth. But get this, it's not just speaking to the person who is needing discipleship, but it's also speaking to the disciple maker. Watch this. In the emergency room, information is gathered during the intake process. See, where this is where the collection of the demographic or social or uh, clinical data is gathered. See, the first data that has to be collected is truth. Now, if you are asked on a scale of 1 to 10 to rate your pain and you lie and say it's a 1 when it's really a 9, you just hindered your deliverance. I'm talking about in here, the emergency room. That's one of the questions that say, rate your pain. <laughs> if you say, like, if you come to the altar for prayer and you're like, I'm at a one, but you're really at a nine, you just hindered the breakthrough you just worshiped about. In John 1 and 8, it says, if we claim we have no sin... We are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. See, as the church, as God's hands and feet, when serving the sick, there has to be a mutual submission to truth. See, we have to be submitted under the authority of Christ as the church, and the patient has to submit to the message of truth. See, which is not what we say, but what the Lord says. Amen? We should be saying it like John 17 and 17 where it says, Lord, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. It starts with truth. Somebody say it. It starts with truth. Now, I'm harping on this because I've, I've lied before in the real emergency room at the hospital so I could be seen quicker. <laughs> like 20 years ago, I told them I was at a nine, but I was really at a two. Like, true story, I'm transparent. It was in Houston. If you ever lived in Houston, you got to spend the night at the emergency room. Uh, but the deal is, I lied and I said I was at a nine. But I was really at a two. I want you to pay attention to this. Because this is, this is what happens when we, when we come to the altar and we're seeking God for deliverance and different things. The transparency to God is so, so important. See, Proper diagnosis requires the acknowledgement of truth. See, some choose to water down the truth because in their mind they are being punished by the demon of shame. 
and the pain to tell the truth. Like, get this. Sometimes the truth hurts worse than the mental and physical pain people are experiencing. It's not that they don't want to share the truth. It's just that the pain of telling the truth that I've been abused, I've I've gone through this, or I've dealt with this, or I'm in this place right now in my life. My family is tore up. I can't stand my wife today. Like, it's just so many things going on. No one, it's so hard because sometimes the truth in sharing that is more painful than the physical or mental pain that they're going through. So it's watered down. Now, because we sometimes are hindered in sharing the truth, the freedom is blocked. We can't move from point A to where God has actually called us. See, there are some things that we haven't even admitted to ourselves, let alone God. There are some things that we have not even admitted to ourselves. We haven't accepted it, let alone God. I want you to think about that. The truth is so vital to the physician because it provides data that will assist in the assessment or if you are having acute pain or chronic pain. So you want to know if you're really in a chronic state because chronic pain serves as a warning of disease or threat to the body. But I think if you get the part where the truth, as the truth is so vital and you think about why sometimes it's so hard to share that truth, to, to walk in and to be transparent and say, hey, I'm broken, I'm, I'm hurting. The more socially disconnected the world becomes, the more the altar is empty. Because we'll share it on Facebook, but we won't share it in the place where it needs to be shared so that we can have breakthrough. Now, now I believe as spiritual leadership, we have to have accountability because some people feel as though that their business will be let go in the church. <laughs> it's both sides. There's got to be a covering. There has to be a true covering, but it all starts with truth. Who is that for? Those who are sick and need discipleship, but it also some submissiveness to the truth for those who are leading. Come on, somebody just say truth. Because if you can get to the truth, then you can understand this next point that you cannot utilize a Band-Aid on a traumatic wound. I want you to let that sink in. See, a traumatic cut, as I've learned, this type of wound is the deepest and the most severe of all traumatic wounds. What I'm trying to tell you is that a Band-Aid can't not cover an internal wound. If you notice something, that Jesus didn't heal the physical body, just heal, he didn't just heal the physical bodies of people, but he cared for a much deeper inner healing to take place. He knew they needed something beyond their sickness. He went to the root of the situation. I've got to go back to this woman, and I'm going to tell y'all, ever since uh, I just deep dive into the woman with the issue of blood, I can't let it go. So you might hear it in the next 10 sermons, all right? It's so much in there that is fascinating to me. But I'm going to utilize the woman with the issue of blood again, because if you don't know the story, if you're new to this, a woman in the crowd, it tells us in the book of Mark, the woman in the crowd, she had been suffering constant bleeding for 12 years, and she had suffered a great deal from many doctors, 
Pay attention. (laughs) She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but the word says that she hadn't gotten better. As a matter of fact, she had gotten worse. She heard about Jesus, right? The story goes, and, and within her thoughts, she was thinking to herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, not his skin, not his hand, not his foot, but if I can just get to what he's wearing. She was so desperate for healing that she was willing to do anything she could. Now, she had suffered by the hands of many physicians, those practicing medicine and bandaging situations without deliverance. But what she needed was the great physician. Now, if you think about it, after 12 years, she finally received a single moment of deliverance with one touch. What am I saying? There are some patients showing up to the emergency room desperate for deliverance, but leaving with Band-Aids on traumatic wounds. If you go back to the scripture, because they came, people show up because they are in need of a word that will manifest in their reality and a word that would bring freedom. But where are all the paramedics, phlebotomists, the doctors, nurses, surgeons, and specialists? See, sometimes in our life, we are cut so deep that we get stuck in a place in our lives for so long that we find ourselves living our life trying to outrun it, trying to live above it, trying to bury it. But that's not freedom. That's just a band-aid. That's just running and hiding. I want you to get this. Some people's hurts and wounds have become so normal that they cannot tell that they even need delivering anymore because they've grown so comfortable with the Band-Aids. Now, I want you to get this because as the woman with the issue of blood, she had suffered it for 12 years. And if you think about it, it says many doctors. She had been around. It's not that she wasn't seeking help, but she was seeking help in the wrong place. That deliverance was not there, but we're going to get to that. So I'm not speaking of the emergency room in a crisis situation, but I'm, I'm speaking to it more of the church being the answer to deliverance. You cannot utilize a Band-Aid on a traumatic wound. I've got 20 pages more on that. I can't get to Because, let me move on. I want to speak to people seeking the covering and the support from the house of God, from the church, from the body of Christ. You know, not just the hospital, but the emergency room. See, emergency room personnel have to have hard skills that are developed over time through experience and and repetition. See, in the ER, a doctor and a team of doctors and nurses will care for you. An emergency room team has to manage the patient's current condition while also seeking response from a separate healthcare team that may not even be in the same hospital. I want you to get that. See, sometimes what we need may not be in the house or maybe what we need is in the house, but it hasn't been activated. So we end up having to go outside, which is fine because it's the kingdom of God, not the church of God. 
So the partnering is so necessary. That's why it calls for a kingdom mindset if we're going to truly be the emergency room. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I want to tell you that an emergency team has to manage that. But at the same time, medicine is no good if you're not taking the prescription as it was prescribed. I've got to say ouch right here because uh, I'm a horrible patient. I was until I married this woman. My boo, she, <laughs> she had to break me out of that because I would be one of those, like, in the room, she will tell you, like, uh, the doctor give me a prescription, take three of these a day. I say, doc, I only need one. Uh, I don't need three pills. That's too much because I need this to flow out of my body. Am I right, man? Like, I mean, they have to send another doctor in and, like, please talk to this fool. Uh, uh, but, doctor, uh, how much water do I need to drink, drink to, like, drain this out of my body? Because I, I, don't, I, I don't like medicine. I don't, I don't, I don't want the, the medicine. You say three. Can we take it down to two? Can we compromise? Uh, in bet- this is true. This is, I'm telling you, straight up true story. Like, that's the type of patient that I was. Can you imagine us being like that with God? I, w- I, want you, I want you to think about that because it, it, it is so vital because not taking medicine as it's prescribed negates the plan of recovery. <laughs> it, it negates the plan of recovery and the support of treating the diagnosis. Now, this can lead to your disease or situation getting worse, or it may lead to hospitalization or even death. So following the prescription also means taking your prescription in the right dosage. See, sometimes we want everything that God has for, but I'm like, God, give me that first level because I want to master that. (laughs) How many want it all? Don't lie. (laughs) Don't lie. We want it all. But, But sometimes all, Jerry Krause told me this one time, he said, is a difference between a man drinking out of a faucet and drinking out of a fire hydrant. Although the water will quench his thirst, it will kill him. I want you to get this. See, in Isaiah 48 and 17, it says that this is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God, who teaches you what is good for you and leads you along the paths you should follow. Now, I want you to get this, that any time Jesus gave the statement of deliverance or performed a miracle of healing, it was followed by a command. See, that command gave responsibility to the individual and accountability in the relationship. See, healing and deliverance can take place, but wholeness happens over time. I don't want to just be healed, but I want to be made whole. Come on, there's a difference because I want to be healed, but deliverance is what makes me whole. But it happens over time. I want to remind you of a story here. Come on, worship, Uh, musicians. Jesus, remember the time when Jesus healed a lame man. Pay attention to this. This was afterwards, the story says that after, before you put up verse 7 through 9, I want to unpack this because it says after Jesus had returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days inside the city, 
the sheep gate, outside the sheep gate, there was a pool of what's called Bethesda. It had five porches, all right? It had crowds of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed. All of these types of people were laying out on the porches. Now, one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. I want you to pay attention to this because sometimes when we read the Bible and we see sick, uh, we see in pictures as human beings. And so we immediately start picturing someone who is injured. But sickness, lying could be a sickness for 38 years. I want to simplify it for you. For 38 years, but when Jesus saw him and, and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? Another version says, would you like to be made whole? Look at what the man says in verse 7. He says, I can't, sir, for I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles. Now, understand the water bubbling up in this backdrop of the context. The story tells us that there was an angel that would come down at different times and it would stir up the water. And in this certain time, people would then get in the pool and be healed. So he's talking about the water bubbling up. And, 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 and someone, he's telling Jesus, someone else always gets there ahead of me. And then he says, Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. And instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. I want to show you something. One major thing is here is this. Notice that the man is sitting around the pool with sick people. Expecting sick people. To put him in. I want you to get it. He's sitting around with sick people, expecting sick people. Y'all don't hear me. Expecting sick people to put him in. Now, at this moment, it made me go back to my question, but where are all... Everyone is running to the water for themselves. Notice the healing that everyone else was receiving. He didn't receive this miracle in the same manner. Notice this. The man never got in the pool, but he did drink from the fountain. Some people miss that. In the Bible, even in the book of Psalms, it talks about Jesus. It says that for you are the fountain of life the light by which we see. So when I say that he didn't get in the pool, but he did drink from the fountain. I I want you to get this. Now, as he drank from the fountain, I want you to pay attention to the prescription in the command. Here's the prescription. Stand up, pick up your mat, walk. Come on, musicians. Don't miss this. We may be fussing the prescription that God has given us, but it's so simple. Now think about this. You mean to tell me that this man, stand to your feet. You mean to tell me that this man with this condition for over 38 years is sitting in front of the pool where the opportunity of healing is right in front of him. Come on. The opportunity of healing is sitting right in front of him, yet 
He believed in the prescription of stand up. Y'all too quiet for me. He said, stand up. Take up your mat. Walk. But, but I would have expected him to say, God, I've been sitting here for 30. I'm, I've been suffering this for 38 years. I've been sitting right here, right beside the pool, watching everybody else get blessed. Watching everybody else get a breakthrough. I'm shocked that he just didn't say, man, put me in the pool. What do you mean stand up, walk, take my mat and walk? Dude, just pick me up and put me in the pool. Would you think the same thing? But the reason for his breakthrough, the reason for his healing, because he followed the prescription of stand up, take your mat, walk. I don't know how many people need to hear that. Like you're in a situation right now that you've been dealing with since you were 15. You're fighting a demon that you've been dealing with since six years old. Yes, it is traumatic. It is broken. But God is the great physician. And his position is, his prescription is, stand up, take your mat, and walk. I'm, I, I want to say this and we're going to close for how simple that is I'm going to tell you when I was young my mom ended up marrying someone that had an attitude that because I wasn't their son they were going to do everything that they could to break me down I remember I found a nail in the back of the car and I wasn't poking the seats and they took it and they stabbed me in my hand. I, I got to give you something real because I talk about transparency like I'm very transparent. But you know why? Because I learned already a long time ago what I'm preaching right now. So, so for me, God, I don't have no business. Like you can have everything I have. You can know anything that you need to know about me. But what I learned when I, when I realized my purpose, it wasn't that the experience that I had wasn't traumatic anymore. It just meant that my approach to, to, to the traumatic situation changed. So when I am saying that God is the great physician, it wasn't until I made a decision in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the pain, Stand up, take my mat, walk. It wasn't until I followed the prescription. Come on, prayer team. Come on, prayer team. It wasn't until I followed the prescription that God began to give a breakthrough. So we're not just a hospital, but we are an emergency room. We have some miracles in this room for people that should have died in situations, but you're standing right here. 
some people that wanted to give up. But because of who he is and that he's able, we will prevail. Somebody just raise a hallelujah in this place. Come on, raise a hallelujah in this place. Now, the first step, you may not be able to go all the way in what God is calling you to do. But at least you can stand up, take your mat, and walk. He didn't ask for you to share no scripture. He didn't ask you for, for you to memorize it right now. He didn't ask you to look back over your life. So if you want prayer right now, I'm calling you out. I'm calling it out right now in the name of Jesus that all the spirits of chains, the demon of shame, the, the demon of brokenness, the demon of reminding. <laughs> you know that reminder? See, sin should not be a thorn in our side. Because the way I remember it and reading the story that blood paid for that. So we open you to the altar right now. And Lord, we ask, Lord, for an awakening in this place. We ask for chains to fall off in this building right now. We ask you to show up, Lord, and show up in the situations. Lord, for you know what is happening. Lord, for you know what is going on in this room. Lord, you've called us. You've given us that commission, Lord. May we go in it together. May we walk in truth. May we begin taking off all the band-aids and not being afraid to show our scars so that you can bring true deliverance. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, you can come now. We shout hallelujah. Hey, we're going to sing a worship song. Apologize for the time. We're going to sing a worship song right now. I want to dismiss you in this room right now and release you to your families. But if you're in need of prayer, we're going to be right here. We're going to continue pressing in. So may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he reign over your life always. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody shout hallelujah.